to day 73 of Shaped by the Word, our second season. As we go through the narrative of Scripture, we've entitled the drama of Scripture. And uh, the section of Genesis, I mean Exodus rather, is not lacking in drama. And of course, most of Exodus will not be lacking in drama. We'll see the tension between you know God and Pharaoh as Pharaoh learns who this God is. And we'll also see the tension between God and Israel as Israel learns who this uh, who this God is. So we find ourselves in the middle of ten plagues. We've skipped a few in the middle there, and it's not because they're not significant and then they're not important, but uh, we've selected a few readings and we, we're still 73 uh, days in and we're still in the book of Exodus. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take you all the way to Revelation, so hang on uh, before we do that. But uh, before we read, let me um, offer this moment to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is a revelation of your heart and your character. There are so many things in your word that uh, we look upon and awe and, 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 and we fail to understand, but there are so many things in your word that we see so clearly, the picture and the portrait of your love for us, how you respond to the cries of your people, and how you move heaven and earth to bring about your, your salvation. So as we read about your salvation for Israel from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, may it remind us of our salvation from our slavery and bondage to sin, uh, to be your sons and daughters, and to experience marvelous freedom that you give us. We thank you for what you've done on the cross in order to bring us into your family and in order to demonstrate your grace to us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. We find ourselves in the middle of chapter 10, verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and the total darkness covered all of Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days, that all the Israelites had light in the place where they lived. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your livestock, your flocks and your herds behind. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God, and until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. Now the Lord said to Moses, I'll bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here, and when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go through Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill, and the firstborn of the cattle as well. There'll be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been and ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. 
all of the officials of yours will come to me, uh, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will leave you. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. The Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all of these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. So we have the last and the final plague, and this is one that is uh, dizzying to us, uh, you know, for everyone who's ever held their firstborn in, in their hands, obviously. Uh, what a hard, you know, strike. Mm-hmm. And you see both you know, God's mercy and his judgment in the same way that Egypt had attacked you know, the, the firstborn of Israel by having them thrown into mm-hmm. the Nile, uh, probably as a sacrifice you know, to their God. Now you see God touching them exactly you know, in the same place. And it's, it's very measured, the firstborn in every house, the firstborn of every, uh, you know, every, all the cattle mm-hmm. and the firstborn of high and low in Egypt. You know, as a demonstration, you know, of God's of God's judgment. Yeah, no one is immune that's outside of God's promise, that's outside of what, you know, I guess, yeah, his promise to his people, his covenant. I I just going back to the plague of darkness, I thought that um, just the image in verse 21, that it's darkness that can be felt. I thought mm-hmm. that was very yeah. poetic. Mm-hmm. Which is just like, I mean, if you felt that kind of pitch black darkness, you know what that means. I know that, like, I was just in a cave recently at the caverns in Georgetown. And what they, were you doing in a cave recently? <laughs> just hanging out? We were on a tour. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. um, and they, at one point, they turn all the lights out that they have down there. And you really can. You feel the darkness. And that kind of darkness can actually... Um, cause you to hallucinate, they said, and it can really mess with you and make you feel very isolated. So I thought that was really interesting that that's the kind of darkness that Egypt feels. And then also um, just we've seen over and over in these plagues, God setting his people apart, you know, some plagues not hitting Goshen where his people are living. And then right here we see that Mm. God's people aren't experiencing any of this darkness. They are experiencing light. And of course we have this huge difference between the darkness and the light, which of course we see in the new Testament. Um, No. And a lot of the explanations of the Exodus, you know, or of the plagues that we, you know, we find in our, our commentaries try to, you know, make a very natural connection to what, you know, God is doing. And it is not, you know, beyond God to work through nature, but, you know, this is obviously, and you know, more than just you know God, you know manipulating natural things, and that this is, uh, you know, for Him to have darkness in one place and light in another place, and of course it does also bring us back as you've already said, you know, the the huge symbols that you know that that all have in the rest of Scripture, but in creation, you know what God did in order to bring us into, you know, a place where we could dwell in His presence with separate light mm-hmm. from darkness. Mm-hmm. And so you have kind of the echoes of creation and decreation here. Mm-hmm. What a, I mean, and what a fascinating kind of experience. You know, if you're Moses and, and finally, you know, you hear Pharaoh say, okay, you can go, your women can go, your children may go, but you got to leave behind your livestock. And Moses says, no, they got to come with us. I, I, 
I mean, to, to sink into that, uh, right? Actually, he said, not a hoof. Not a hoof. Yeah. We're not even going to leave one yeah. hoof behind. No, yeah. There's no hoof left, left behind. behind. You know, but, yeah. <laughs> but just to be, I mean, you're reading this thinking you're finally, you know, like freedom seems so, so close and so near. And, you know, to sink in and say, no, everything must come with us in, in here. And, and for that point, you know, the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart and he was not willing to let them go. Um, but mm-hmm. then to even see leading into that next scene, it, and there's going to be a great plundering that takes place as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not that just Israel's going to go and they're going to leave empty handed. You know, but we actually saw this prophesied a right. long time ago that when yep. Israel does come out of Egypt, they're going to come out, mm-hmm. you know, not just as God's people, but in fulfillment of what God had promised as well. And they're going to come out, you know, favorably. And mm-hmm. I always just kind of laugh at the fact that, you know, Moses was regarded highly by no. the officials, you know, officials and the people. Everyone. And it's like, yeah. he's the reason, part of the reason judgment keeps falling and all these plagues are affecting everyone. They're like, but that Moses guy. Yeah, there is, you know, there is a division, you know, in Egypt, you know, between, you know, Pharaoh, who's whose heart, yep. you know, initially we hear about him hardening his heart and then we continually hear of God hardening his heart, turning, you know, Pharaoh's inclination of pride and, and of uh, stubbornness back on himself uh, so that, uh, you know, finally his glory is, his glory is revealed. So you see Pharaoh uh, not caring for Moses and not caring for, you know, this, this God, but you do see God giving favor, you know, to his people and giving favor, uh, you know, to Moses. And, and so you see God moving, you know, in, in, in a lot of different ways here. Well, isn't, isn't, I mean, I know we need to move on to firstborn plague, but isn't such a huge contrast when you look at how God's people were treated at the beginning of this book and how they were seen at the beginning of this book to where they are now, which they're fav- they're favorably disposed toward God's people. The Egyptians are favor- favorably disposed. And that is only an act of God that has brought them from this place to this place. There's no other way of describing it. God has been at work, and he, somehow these people who have been slaves for so long are now able to ask their neighbors for their stuff, and their neighbors just give it to them. <laughs> I mean, that is an act of God. I just think that's so cool. Now, there, there's several times during the Joseph story we heard, you know, the, the phrase, and the Egyptians detested, you know, mm-hmm. shepherds. Uh, but in, uh, we have seen them move to a place where they are highly favored because of who their God is. They, they have seen the power of their God. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know, as people of Egypt have probably for years, you know, uh, you know, kind of labored under their own gods and seen them be effective. And they're seeing, you know, the, the God of the Hebrews being very effective in the very areas, you know, that their gods claim sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And, and so you do see a powerful movement, you know, there. And you do see God granting, you know, that Proverbs will later tell us that, you know, that the heart of a king is in the hands of the Lord. He can direct it wherever he will, but he can also cause his people as part of the Abrahamic covenant to to be blessed and to find favor, you know, in the peoples around them. So you see a fulfillment, you know, of that as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're right, Katie, we do need to move a little bit to the firstborn. We kind of started there and moved backwards and we can move back there as well. This will be significant uh, in, in the, you know, in Israel. Uh, they'll be instructed to redeem and uh, to consecrate every firstborn you know, that's born to them. And of course, that takes us to the Gospel of Luke, where Mary's firstborn mm. is taken to the temple and devoted to the Lord yeah. as mm. well. 
Um, verse six, verses six and seven of chapter eleven struck me, and I was just kind of processing it. But there will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there's ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So I'm assuming that means there will be loud, chaotic wailing here in Egypt, and then over here you have dead silence not even a dog, which we have a dog that barks at everything. And so it's hard to imagine just the silence and maybe even reverence of what is taking place, what's happening, that God is saving his people, saving the firstborn of each household because of the blood of the lamb, which don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But is that what is that what he's describing here? Well, no, there, there is, you know, the contrast between utter chaos and complete peace. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's no you know, greater description of complete peace in my neighborhood than no dogs, no dogs barking. barking. <laughs> it's a good day. And so, you know, our next door neighbors for three years in a row bought a new puppy every year on the evening before Easter Sunday. No way. And of course, I'm living with a little more tension on the Easter sermon than some of the other <laughs> sermons. And always they would put it on the back porch and it would bark all night. And I would just come to Easter with the bags under my eyes, kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm really loving this. Not even a dog bark. Oh now, so we've kind of seen the distinction between darkness and light, and then we've seen kind of the chaos and yeah. the peace, and then obviously, you know, the firstborn sadly dying, and then their firstborn being preserved. And so, God, yeah, obviously making that huge distinction between Egypt and Israel. Mm-hmm. We're also watching to you back in, I think, Exodus 4. You know, God identifies Israel as his firstborn son, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've been kind of watching. That we talked about the identification where God identifies with his people. They are his firstborn son. We're watching, it seems to be, you know, the, the Egyptians are, are probably growing tired of Pharaoh, you know, and, it's, and the, you have this guy who is self seeking, self interested. Um, and, and, you know, this plague that comes down on the firstborn son is a, really you're watching like a battle of, of you know, the sovereign over their firstborn, where God says, you know, Israel is my firstborn. And, and then on the other side, you have. Um, Pharaoh, you know, who lose, will lose his. Well, there, there's no doubt that you know Pharaoh's position and his power has somewhat protected him, yeah. you know, from the impact of, you know, from, from these plagues. So, if there was any water in Egypt while there was blood, you know, in the Nile, you can be certain it found its way to Pharaoh. And if there was protection from hell, mm-hmm. you can be certain it was in the palace, you know, the expansive palace. You know that he, you know that he built, and uh, here it will touch Pharaoh in a in a hugely personal way, as, as well as you know the rest of his, you know the rest of Israel. And of course, it reminds us in our shock, you know, of this plague that, uh, and as Paul you know said in Romans eight, you know God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, and uh, the judgment. You know that should have fallen us fell on him, and by his stripes, we're in Isaiah now. We have been healed. Mm-hmm. David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. And Father, we can't help but think of your your one and only Son that died in our place, took on the wrath that we deserved, and and yet in that He has given us um, not just the riches of of Egypt, but far surpassing the riches of himself. And so thank you for for Christ and all that he has done for us, how he has taken us out of darkness, how he has preserved us. And 
and saved us and made us his own. And so we can't help but look at the Exodus here and be reminded of all the, all the surpassing rescue that we received in Christ Jesus. And so help us to marvel at that and to fix our eyes on that and may that encourage our hearts and renew our affections for you and, and your gospel and, and your kingdom. And may we be your people here in this time, in this place, um, for your glory. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.